Section 4 of Selections from the Principles of Philosophy by René Descartes. Translated by John Veitch. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Of the Principles of Human Knowledge. 46. It is shown, from the example of pain, that a perception may be clear without being distinct, but that it cannot be distinct unless it is clear. For example, when any one feels intense pain, the knowledge which he has of this pain is very clear, but it is not always distinct, for men usually confound it with the obscure judgment they form regarding its nature, and think that there is in the suffering part something similar to the sensation of pain of which they are alone conscious. And thus perception may be clear without being distinct, but it can never be distinct without likewise being clear. 47 that to correct the prejudices of our early years we must consider what is clear in each of our simple notions and indeed in our early years the mind was so immersed in the body that although it perceived many things with sufficient clearness it yet knew nothing distinctly and since even at that time we exercised our judgment in many matters numerous prejudices were thus contracted which by the majority are never afterwards laid aside but that we may now be in a position to get rid of these i will here briefly enumerate all the simple notions of which our thoughts are composed and distinguish in each what is clear from what is obscure or fitted to lead into error forty eight that all the objects of our knowledge are to be regarded either one as things or the affection of things or two as eternal truths with the enumeration of things whatever objects fall under our knowledge we consider either as things or the affections of things or as eternal truths possessing no existence beyond our thought of the first class the most general are substance duration order number and perhaps also some others which notions apply to all the kinds of things i do not however recognize more than two highest kinds summa genera of things the first of intellectual things are such as have the power of thinking including mind or thinking substance and its properties the second of material things embracing extended substance or body and its properties perception volition and all modes as well of knowing as of willing are related to thinking substance on the other hand to extended substance we refer magnitude or extension in length breadth and depth figure motion situation divisibility of parts themselves and the like there are however beside these certain things of which we have an internal experience that ought not to be referred either to the mind of itself or to the body alone but to the close and intimate union between them as will hereafter be shown in its place of this class are the appetites of hunger and thirst etc and also the emotions or passions of the mind which are not exclusively mental affections as the emotions of anger joy sadness love etc and finally all the sensations as of pain titillation light and colours sounds smells tastes heat hardness and the other tactile qualities forty nine that the external truths cannot be thus enumerated but that this is not necessary what i have already enumerated we are to regard as things or the qualities or modes of things we now come to speak of eternal truths when we apprehend that it is impossible a thing can arise from nothing this proposition ex nihilo nihil fit is not considered as somewhat existing or as the mode of a thing but as an eternal truth having its seat in our mind and is called a common notion or axiom of this class are the following it is impossible the same thing can at once be and not be what is done cannot be undone 
he who thinks must exist while he thinks and innumerable others the whole of which it is indeed difficult to enumerate but this is not necessary since if blinded by no prejudices we cannot fail to know them when the occasion of thinking them occurs fifty that these truths are clearly perceived but not equally by all men on account of prejudices and indeed with regard to these common notions it is not to be doubted that they can be clearly and distinctly known for otherwise they would not merit this appellation as in truth some of them are not with respect to all men equally deserving of the name because they are not equally admitted by all not however from this reason as i think that the faculty of knowledge of one man extends farther than that of another but rather because these common notions are opposed to the prejudices of some who on this account are not able readily to embrace them even although others who are free from those prejudices apprehend them with the greatest clearness fifty one what substance is and that the term is not applicable to god and the creatures in the same sense but with regard to what we consider as things or the modes of things it is worth while to examine each of them by itself by substance we can conceive nothing else than a thing which exists in such a way as to stand in need of nothing beyond itself in order to its existence and in truth there can be conceived but one substance which is absolutely independent and that is god we perceive that all other things can exist only by help of the concourse of god and accordingly the term substance does not apply to god and the creatures univocally to adopt a term familiar in the schools that is no signification of this word can be distinctly understood which is common to god and them fifty two that the term is applicable univocally to the mind and the body and how substance itself is known created substances however whether corporeal or thinking may be conceived under this common concept for these are things which in order to their existence stand in need of nothing but the concourse of god but yet substance cannot be first discovered merely from its being a thing which exists independently for existence by itself is not observed by us we easily however discover substance itself from any attribute of it by this common notion that of nothing there are no attributes properties or qualities for from perceiving that some attribute is present we infer that some existing thing or substance to which it may be attributed is also of necessity present fifty three that of every substance there is one principal attribute as thinking of the mind extension of the body but although any attribute is sufficient to lead us to the knowledge of substance there is however one principal property of every substance which constitutes its nature or essence and upon which all the others depend thus extension in length breadth and depth constitutes the nature of corporeal substance and thought the nature of thinking substance for every other thing that can be attributed to body presupposes extension and is only some mode of an extended thing as all the properties we discover in the mind are only diverse modes of thinking thus for example we cannot conceive figure unless in something extended nor motion unless in extended space nor imagination sensation or will unless in a thinking thing but on the other hand we can conceive extension without figure or motion and thought without imagination or sensation and so of the others as is clear to any one who attends to these matters fifty four how we may have clear and distinct notions of the substance which thinks of that which is corporeal and of god and thus we may easily have two clear and distinct notions or ideas the one of created substance which thinks 
the other of a corporeal substance provided we carefully distinguish all the attributes of thought from those of extension we may also have a clear and distinct idea of an uncreated and independent thinking substance that is of god provided we do not suppose that this idea adequately represents to us all that is in god and do not mix up with it anything fictitious but attend simply to the characters that are comprised in the notion we have of him and which we clearly know to belong to the nature of an absolutely perfect being for no one can deny that there is in us such an idea of god without groundlessly supposing that there is no knowledge of god at all in the human mind fifty five how duration order and number may be also distinctly conceived we will also have the most distinct conceptions of duration order and number if in place of mixing up with our notions of them that which properly belongs to the concept of substance we merely think that the duration of a thing is a mode under which we conceive this thing in so far as it continues to exist and in like manner that order and number are not in reality different from things disposed in order and numbered but only modes under which we diversely consider these things fifty six what are modes qualities attributes and indeed we here understand by modes the same with what we elsewhere designate attributes or qualities but when we consider substance as affected or varied by them we use the term modes when from this variation it may be denominated of such a kind we adopt the term qualities to designate the different modes which cause it to be so named and finally when we simply regard these modes as in the substance we call them attributes accordingly since god must be conceived as superior to change it is not proper to say that there are modes or qualities in him but simply attributes and even in created things that which is found in them always in the same mode as existence and duration in the thing which exists and endures ought to be called attribute and not mode or quality fifty seven that some attributes exist in the things to which they are attributed and others only in our thought and what duration and time are of these attributes or modes there are some which exist in the things themselves and others that have only an existence in our thought thus for example time which we distinguish from duration taken in its generality and call the measure of motion is only a certain mode under which we think duration itself for we do not conceive the duration of things that are moved to be different from the duration of things that are not moved as is evident from this that if two bodies are in motion for an hour the one moving quickly and the other slowly we do not reckon more time in the one than in the other although there may be much more motion in the one of the bodies than in the other but that we may comprehend the duration of all things under a common measure we compare their duration with that of the greatest and most regular motions that give rise to years and days and which we call time hence what is so designated is nothing superadded to duration taken in its generality but a mode of thinking fifty eight that number and all universals are only modes of thought in the same way number when it is not considered as in created things but merely in the abstract or in general is only a mode of thinking and the same is true of all those general ideas we call universals fifty nine how universals are formed and what are the five common that is genus species difference property and accident universals arise merely from our making use of one and the same idea in thinking of all individual objects between which there subsists a certain likeness and when we comprehend all the objects represented by this idea under one name this term likewise becomes universal 
for example when we see two stones and do not regard their nature farther than to remark that there are two of them we form the idea of a certain number which we call the binary and when we afterwards see two birds or two trees and merely take notice of them so far as to observe that there are two of them we again take up the same idea as before which is accordingly universal and we likewise give to this number the same universal appellation of binary in the same way when we consider a figure of three sides we form a certain idea which we call the idea of a triangle and we afterwards make use of it as the universal to represent to our mind all other figures of three sides but when we remark more particularly that of figures of three sides some have a right angle and others not we form the universal idea of a right-angled triangle which being related to the proceeding as more general may be called species and the right angle the universal difference by which right-angled triangles are distinguished from all others and farther because the square of the side which sustains the right angle is equal to the squares of the other two sides and because this property belongs only to this species of triangles we may call it the universal property of the species finally if we suppose that of these triangles some are moved and others not this will be their universal accident and accordingly we commonly reckon five universals that is genus species difference property accident sixty of distinctions and first of the real but number in things themselves arises from the distinction there is between them and distinction is threefold that is real modal and of reason the real properly subsists between two or more substances and it is sufficient to assure us that two substances are really mutually distinct if only we are able clearly and distinctly to conceive the one of them without the other for the knowledge we have of god renders it certain that he can effect all that of which we have a distinct idea wherefore since we have now for example the idea of an extended and corporeal substance though we as yet do not know with certainty whether any such thing is really existent nevertheless merely because we have the idea of it we may be assured that such may exist and if it really exists that every part which we can determine by thought must be really distinct from the other parts of the same substance in the same way since every one is conscious that he thinks and that he in thought can exclude from himself every other substance whether thinking or extended it is certain that each of us thus considered is really distinct from every other thinking and corporeal substance and although we suppose that god united a body to his soul so closely that it was impossible to form a more intimate union and thus made a composite whole the two substances would remain really distinct notwithstanding this union for with whatever tie god connected them he was not able to rid himself of the power he possessed of separating them or of conserving the one part from the other and the things which god can separate or conserve separately are really distinct End of section four.